everybody. Welcome to Two Nosy Meerkats. We are back. Uh, yes. Thank you for being patient with us. I am Gabby Jordan-Brown. And I am Lucas Arnold. And you may have seen us at our live version <laughs> that totally happened and without, without a hitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a great show. Full house. Packed. Full house. Obama was there. He gave Obama us was there. Yeah, yeah, he hugged us. He asked like a ton of listener questions. He asked us crazy. to be his parents. He... Yeah, he was like, can you adopt me? I'm sick of yeah. Michelle, honestly. But that all happened. It's true. Yeah. Um, just kidding. It did not happen nah. um, because of some difficult recent events that our amazing Lucas has gone through with total composure and grace. Not that he would need to be graceful because yeah. I'm not going to be like judging you on how you react to tragedy. It would have been funny if it was like finger skating. You were like 10 out of 10. This is, this was a plus. <laughs> Very good grief response. <laughs> Great formation. And it stuck the landing. <laughs> your on point was a little bit flat, but otherwise it was good. Oh, your on point. <laughs> is that what it is? On I don't know. Point. I don't know anything about figure skating. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's like dance terms. They all sound made up to me. Yeah, exactly. First position. That's all I remember from dance class in high school. I remember plie, which sounds plie. Like... Yeah, <laughs> jeté. I think, which is just like a jump. I think. Yeah, just say jump. I mean, whatever. It's <laughs> French. <laughs> just speak English, man. <laughs> yeah, this is America. Just. <laughs> God, I'm that Francophile chick now. Or uh, what is it? Francophobic? Yes, Francophobic. Freedom yeah. fries. We're freedom frying our dance. Freedom fries. Now. No French yeah. fries allowed. No Frenchness allowed. Um, yeah. Okay, Lucas, okay. why don't you take me back to like what exactly when you found out something was wrong? That might have been like a few months ago. I first remember hearing about it. Yeah, well, um, so for those who don't know, my dad died uh, this Saturday a week ago. So this is like uh, today uh, we're, when we're recording is May 16th. My dad died on the 8th. My dad was diagnosed with cancer um, back in December, um, early December. And when it was and when it was diagnosed, it was already stage four. It had metastasized elsewhere in his body. And I sort of just started like preparing myself thinking, oh, my God, this is um, this is close to the end. And then um but he, for a while, it seemed like he was getting better. So I thought, oh, maybe it's it's getting better. And we've had like a fraught relationship because of uh, my parents going through a divorce and lots of issues over property and stuff. I don't need to get into details of that too much, but I was brought into it and I was sort of right in the fray in between my parents. And that really uh, was a big thing, a uh, big damper on like my dad and mine relationship which he, I hold him largely responsible for it because of what he, he did. And so, um, but yeah, and so towards the end of his life, it, we really weren't speaking that much. Um, I did see him uh, a few days before he was rushed to hospital and we did get a chance to speak. And, um, but yeah, he was really, he was really not doing well. And then um, I, what I thought was happening is that he was going to be um, staying with family friends in upstate New York. And he was for uh, some care because like you have a family friend who I got really close with one in the past couple of weeks. Um, and she's like, she used to be a nurse and she was going to take care of him. But on the way upstate, his uh, case, his really, he just worsened a lot. And mm-hmm. then he was rushed to a hospital. And then this family friend, as well as like one or two others, they were like, hey, you should really come upstate like ASAP because he's probably not going to last very long and we want you to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity. And so I rushed upstate. I packed some bags and I rushed upstate. I got an Uber all the way upstate to Cooperstown, New York. It was 700 bucks. I was going to ask you about that. When you told me you were in a four hour Uber, I was like. I am so sad for him. Also, I am so sad for his credit card. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, no, the cost wasn't the worst bit. That was, it wasn't that. Of course it wasn't the worst bit, but yeah. Yeah, but um, absolutely. And what's funny is that like, I have multiple friends. I I just had brunch with some family friends. um, And like the mom uh, of my very good friend of mine, uh, she was like, I would have driven you. I would have driven you if you just called me uh, up. I would have done it. I was like, well, it's a good thing I was thinking logically. Like, 
Yeah, it's a good thing your logical reaction sensors were totally on after hearing yeah. some really shocking news. And yeah. You could make completely logical financial decisions. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. And I saw a different friend of mine, very close friend of mine from high school who said the same thing. And I was like, yeah, I just... But in my mind, I just thought I don't have time to like figure out if someone can drive me. I just need to get on the road as soon as possible. As soon as possible, um, yeah. And uh, so I got in an Uber and the driver was solid. Um, shout out to Hakeem. Hakeem, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah, but um, but yeah, I, what's interesting is that I, I, I mean, I'm doing this now. I'm trying to write, uh, do this as a bit, but like, even though I was like, on my way upstate for an, um, an emergency of all emergencies, I was still a little bit worried about my Uber rating and I wasn't sure if I felt comfortable eating in the car. <laughs> like, um, cause like I worked so hard to get to a 4.9 to go back to a 4.7. I don't know my priorities, you know? Yeah. A 4.7 is, I think I'm at a 4.7 now. It's cause I used to have a job where they made me pack all these plants in the back of the car when like, they like just wouldn't shell out for a truck of their own. So they just all gave me a bad Uber rating. It's never oh, gone no. back up that 4.9. That's solid Lucas. You don't want to lose Thank that. You. I've been, I've been tipping generously and it's been paying off. <laughs> I've been, I've been working hard. Um, but yeah, I, and I was just starving when I got there. And by the time I got there, it was like 1130 PM. I spent mm-hmm. a little bit of time in the hospital and then I went to stay with a family friend. And by the time I got there, I was still hungry, but I was also really tired. So I couldn't eat a full meal, but I, right. I had an apple. So I just ate the apple. And then I went to the hospital the next day and spent the whole day. This is the Thursday, um, a week and a half ago, um, and I just spent the whole day in hospital and I didn't eat too much. I didn't really have like a full meal until like that evening, that Thursday wow. evening. And I had like a big bowl of chili and a, and a mug of hot apple cider that were really just nice and filling and good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exhausting. I was, and so yeah, Thursday and Friday, I was just like by my dad's bedside. And also like on um, the Wednesday evening, um, before I got in the Uber, this a family friend, uh, she she called me up and she was like, hey, I can put my phone to your dad's ear and to have you say some words if you don't make it in time uh-huh. to just like say anything you wow. want. And, um, and when she put the phone up to his ear, I could hear his breathing. Mm-hmm. It sounded like Darth Vader, the death rattle of just like... Cause like when your body is shutting down, it's sort of like you're, you're breathing almost through a paper straw. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's the most horrendous, her most horrendous thing. But I, um, I said my goodbyes, tried to do my best to say everything I wanted and best I could to get closure. And what was really nice is that multiple people who were there that day uh, in the hospital, they said that he was moving his head closer to the phone and that he was responsive and that he was hearing, even though he wasn't saying anything that he could, it was noticeable that he was actively listening. And that was really good to know. So towards the end, just to jump in for a second, was was he, when did he become basically unable to speak? Like when was the last time you think you heard his voice? when I heard his voice was like on the phone when he was uh, being put in the car and moving upstate. Okay. That was the last conversation we had. I was actually, yeah, he, he gave me a set of keys to his apartment and asked me to make a spare set. And the last, the last conversation we had was him saying, it's okay. Someone will come down and pick it up from you on Friday. Um, that was the last words I heard from him. Um, wow. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so Thursday and Friday after I got there, I was just spent the whole day in the hospital and I was just like crying and just sitting there. And it was just, it was the worst part is just wondering when it's going to happen, thinking, am I going to be here? Am I literally about to watch my dad die? Is this what's going to happen? And I, and the worst part is that there were a few periods where he would stop breathing mm-hmm. and you could just, you could see his heartbeat like making his whole body shake because he's oh. like so weak and it's just like that's the only movement and it's vibrating his body so and I just and a and a good few times uh, once maybe on Thursday I thought and I was like oh my god this is it but then he would start breathing again then Friday it happened more and more frequently I was like this is just 
this is just playing havoc on my nerves. I can't, it was just so exhausting. Yeah. I think that sounds to me like almost the most exhausting part, like beyond even the grief of it all, just the anticipation. Right. Yeah. And then, and honestly, like when I got a text Saturday morning, right when I woke up, I saw a text from this family friend. It just said, Lucas dot, dot, dot. And I just knew that was it. I was like, okay, he died in the, and I was honestly relieved because I thought, okay, I don't need to just spend another day in the hospital wondering what's going to happen. Cause it yeah. was just so emotionally exhausting to go through. And that then is so draining. Yeah. Oh yeah. And immediately afterwards I got on the phone to my mom to tell her. And then I was just thrown in the logistics of calling up funeral homes to or organize a cremation and dealing with all of these other things because like, <laughs> We also had like a property upstate as well as his apartment here in the city. It's just, there's so much logistical stuff. And then, and, uh, and I'm still like dealing with that with my mom and we have a lot of support, but like, there's just a lot to do that is still very daunting. Yeah. I think people don't realize that it's like one of the strangest things about death. And I, I definitely went through it a little bit with uh, Sylvie when her mom died in March was yeah. like, you know, you want to be just sitting there like in a state of grief, but then at the, like right after it happens, you're just working, you know, for yeah. weeks on calling all these people, getting cars towed, getting belongings sorted, like all of these crazy things. Um, so like your, fir- your first reaction when you found out it was like kind of a relief and then yeah. did you kind of feel anything else shortly after, like what was the kind of concoction of emotions right after you heard the news? Um, I, it just sort of like would change in waves. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I was just crying so much Thursday and Friday. I was just, and I, and I was also just like, not when you're waiting for someone to die, you don't eat. That's the thing. Yeah. You also, you're just like, you're on emergency mode. Any moment could be the last moment. So you're not thinking about your other needs mm-hmm. um, really. And so you're just exhausted. I would have like hunger and thirst headaches. There was, there were just, you're just so tired. You can't process any emotion. And so a lot of stuff hits you later. And like, as soon as I got home, I started, like I came home Saturday evening. Um, the day he died, I came home and I, I cried when I got home. I, I went to his apartment to, take some food and keep it from rotting and when I got there like something my dad always did is that he liked to make his own salad dressing he would make salads a lot for himself Mm -hmm. and he had this little this sort of glass dressing jar where he would um where he would make up his own salad dressing and I saw that and it was empty and that made me cry because this is a thing that I would see him do ever for as long as I could remember he would make salad in this one little jar and I saw that and that made me cry just like any little thing just like sets you off um and like the apartment here where i live um this is this was my dad's apartment like my dad got this place in 1977 wow and he lived in this place for 40 years before he moved out when i graduated from college and i moved in um back home and so just knowing this place was his for so long it's it was and like, it's not like everything, like we're just walking around is like really triggering, but it is also just knowing that this is like his place still in my mind. Yeah. I was wondering about that when you, when you sort through his stuff, are there things you kind of learn about him retroactively through the things he owned, like his old life or when he first came to New York? Things well, he like told that. me a lot about all that stuff. Um, yeah. And one thing I did is that, um, well, um, so my dad's dad, I never met and he died before I was born, uh, also from cancer. And, um, and my dad interviewed him about his life and gave me a bunch of his audio of these audio cassettes of him interviewing about his life to just preserve this. And that's something I started doing with my dad. Um, and, and he gave me the audio cassettes and I digitized them. I transferred them over to digital files. So they'll be preserved forever. Um, and I wanted to start doing that with my dad as well, because I thought, I don't know how long this is. And I got to do that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I was also, I had to cut off contact with my dad uh, yeah. multiple times because it was just, 
too painful dealing with him. And he was really, he really did harm our relationship a lot, a lot in the past four years for various different things. And so I definitely didn't get to interview him as much as I would have liked to, but I do have some interviews with him recorded. And he also typed up a lot of other stories of his life and he sent those to me. That's incredible. Which I was really glad about. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm confident I can say that I have no regrets. I can't think of anything that I would have wanted to say or anything that I would have wanted really done. But a thing that really kind of breaks my heart is that I knew his condition was worsening a week before he died. I knew that he was like going to be taken to the ER and like his iron levels were a bit off. And I spoke to him on the phone before he went to the ER. And when I saw him in person afterwards, um, he said on the phone, because I hadn't spoken to him in like a month and a half, almost two months. Um, he said on the phone, you sounded so much lighter than I, than I've heard you sound in years. And I said, that's because of your absence. Wow. That is fire. Holy shit. That there's probably a better adjective than fire, but um I just I didn't have any energy to say anything less than what was the truth. I mean, yeah, you have to and and I I'm proud of you for like not hiding how you felt. You know, it's like we always say that before people die, we have to tell them everything we feel, and that includes yeah you know, the shit that we would hide from them typically. Um, yeah. What did he, how did he react when you said that? Was he kind of, I, I assume he knows that he had some blame in the situation. And when oh, somebody yeah. knows that all they can do is just nod and react. And I don't think yeah they would get defensive about it. Well, one thing that really, really bothered me was that. Um, so uh, the reason I won't go into like exact details, but like the main reason why I cut up contact with him recently um, about a couple months ago, yeah, just over two months ago, in fact, um, because it was when I cut him off, it was the day before my first date with my girlfriend. So I remember it very well. Um, but when I cut him off, it's because he had twisted my, I'll say that he twisted my words and used that as evidence in like, uh, uh, as I don't, I don't know how much I should talk about it, but it's like, it's to do with my parents' divorce. He used, he twisted my words in a way and tried to use that in his favor. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't, I can't have a relationship with you if I can't trust you to speak honestly. Yeah. Because I can't trust you to take what I'm, and, and I, what I, and I actually said, I can forgive you if you apologize for it. Like Mm. we agree, like I told him, that's not what I said. And he said, okay, I believe you. I misheard you. And I asked, would you apologize for that? And he said, why? Uh, And I was like, because you wronged me. And he says, you hurt my feelings. And And he was like, I don't believe that. And I was just like, and after I actually time myself after 20 minutes of just explaining why I really wanted an apology and why I feel if I was in his position, I would have accepted that and given an apology. He did kind of apologize, but very much in the, I'm sorry you feel that way kind of vibe, you know? And it's, it's kind of been an issue kind of my whole life. And that I got wise to later on in like my teen years is that he really kind of had a problem with empathy. Mm -hmm. He didn't really have much of it. Yeah. And yeah. What has it been like? I feel like your TikTok about it summed it up so well to have all these conflicting emotions where you disagree with someone so vehemently on so many things, but at the end of the day, the love is still there and you're just like so gutted to watch something bad happen to them. Have you had any more like thoughts on that specific kind of crazy juxtaposition of emotions? I've also thought that it's a very good thing to let the the more negative things die with the person Mm. and try to give yourself to like give yourself a little bit of a treat and try to only focus on like the positive things and there were so and there were a number of positive things about him that I absolutely adored and I'm trying to allow myself to focus on those more in what and how I remember him 
And that's a very human thing too. I feel like, like even after a breakup or something, like you don't always remember the bad things. You'll remember like the great things only. And then it'll have to take your friend to remind you like, no, it was terrible. (laughs) Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's been keeping you sane, like in the aftermath? Cause you've had a really tough week. Um, honestly, a lot of people reaching out to me and saying like, I'm so sorry to hear that really, that really did mean a lot. And like I, when I posted that video, like so many really sweet comments, literally thousands of people just being like, we're so sorry for your loss. That really made me, that gave me such a warm feeling in my heart. It really, really did. And if you, anyone listening or watching this uh, were one of the people, it meant so much. So thank you so much for that. That was, that was really huge. And also like people saying, please take time. We care about you. Don't worry about us. Um, because I'm someone who, fe- I'm definitely someone who's like, feels like I have an obligation to other people. So it's when other people give me permission to say like, Hey, you can be selfish right now. You can be, you can be a little bit lazy. Like, don't worry that that means a lot. That really, that helps me a lot just to help me relax knowing that I have permission from other people kind of, or like yeah, the other. Yeah, for sure. I think the people listening to this, I mean, I w- I've always wanted to say the term our fans. So mm-hmm. our fans are yeah. like the best. And every yeah. message I've ever gotten from a meerkat uh, lover listener has always been so supportive. And I think that, you know, if we ever needed to take time off from this, as we did last yeah. week, like everyone would give you so much permission for that. I certainly would. And everyone else would. And I think the same is true of your videos. Just no one Absolutely. wants to see content made from someone who can barely keep it together. Yeah. Uh, content comes from joy. And like, you know, if you're feeling that you're feeling that if you're not, you're not, and that's okay. Um, also something that this isn't funny, but it kind of is. I was talking to uh, Matt and Amy, who uh, run the Tiny Cupboard, which is the venue we were going to do our live version of our podcast. Lucas, hopefully we, did we, still will. we did we it. We did it. Without a yes. hitch. Excuse yeah. me. Okay, uh, everyone. Uh, everyone who just heard that, uh, the FBI is on their way. You heard nothing. Um, no, but Matt and Amy, who run the Tiny Cupboard, please follow them on social media in case you don't. And if you're in the New York City area, please check them out because they're running comedy shows all the time. They're awesome. Anyway. They, uh, I, I saw them on Wednesday uh, a few days ago and they were like, oh yeah, we actually had to cancel the live version of the podcast we were going to do this week because one of the hosts had kidney stones. I was like, there's something in the water. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I actually heard that specific host talking about his yeah. kidney stones at a, or their kidney stones at another mic. So that's hilarious. There is something in the water. It's just a, a weird bit. time. I know yeah. we're all like going back to normal or whatever, but I don't really know what normal is anymore. Like, no, there's just, there's so much reflecting. I think we all have to do as a yeah. society, um, which I think leads nicely to my next question. So, oh yeah, I know you're, you said your mom is coming in at some yes. point, right? Yeah, my mom is, my mom is coming in a little over a week. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm so glad. How has it been for her as somebody who like once had this like very close relationship to a person that later became a bit more acrimonious um, to like speak to you about it and to experience it herself? That's a that's a big thing. Wow. Um, When I told her, my mom was really just trying to say and do what was best for me and saying, hey, Although we had very bad relationship, I still had love for him. And I'm so sorry. I've never wished any ill on him. Right. And I'm, yeah. And so, but, but deep down, I know that she has a lot of bad blood with him. And so I think that she's filtering it now for my benefit. Um, And I, I'm guessing she's, I, I just don't know if I, how much I can or should say, I don't like to speak on other people's behalf without their permission. Sure. Um, But um, I believe she's relieved. I believe that she is at a little bit of a sense of peace because they, because they had a very bad relationship. And I know that that's not going to be an issue for her anymore, at least. So it's understandable. It's also messy and complicated. When my grandpa died, I was fucking relieved. I was like, it was the first thing I felt. I was like, Oh, thank God. Like, you know, and and it's, and it's, no one wants to feel that way and no, but at the same time, no one is a bad person. 
for feeling yeah. it. You just, it's like you said, you just have to be very kind and gentle to yourself in every oh, which yeah. way. And even like, I remember when my grandmother died, my dad's mom, I, this is, I, I feel like slightly guilty about this because like, I wish I could speak to her more and learn more about her life and spend time with her just as the person I am now. But she died when I was 10. And the truth is, I never liked her. <laughs> what about her? Okay, we gotta go into this. I um, never, yeah. I never was she liked... just like one of these, uh, oh my God, I hate the older people when they let just me, squeeze the cheeks. Let like... me, okay, so this is like, I'm gonna do like a very quick impressions of like both of my grandmothers. So this is my mom's mom. She would like, she would open her hands and go, hello, darling. Just very warm, adorable, open, lovely. Um, and my dad's mom was, come here, give me a kiss. <laughs> yeah, just like she's me. And she was like my my mom's mom. She, I think, she she was in like her late sixties, early seventies in my like childhood. And so she was still like fairly active. We would go on walks with the dogs. She would. She would do stuff. She was like not an athlete, but she was still active and present and like very kind and welcoming. And she was, she's wonderful. Um, and I have nothing but great memories with her. She was just wonderful. But my dad, my dad was 51 when I was born. And so my grandmother, my dad's mom, she was much older. She was in her late eighties, early nineties. And she was just very small and shriveled and just, and she, she, we all I have really, an inherent bias like that. It's t- a little can't. bit. And the thing is, like, I remember looking at her and her face was just so wrinkly, <laughs> in a in a way that it scared me. And I thought this is a real phobia I had when I was little. I thought that if I spent because my mom and my grandmother, she lived in a gated community of yeah. other of other old Jews. And I thought if I spent too much time there, I would turn old. I really did. And I was just like, I was just like on edge anytime I was or anytime she had like friends over. I was because they were. <laughs> did you think it so, accumulated in packs? Like the so more attra- energy. <laughs> they seemed so attracted to youth. They always wanted to be close to me and touch me. And I was like, stop. I don't want you to touch me. Go away. No. <laughs> it was like they were stealing your youth for themselves. Yes. That is exactly my phobia. That was oh my, my phobia God. As a you just remember, watched Into the Woods as a kid and you got freaked yeah. out. I feel like. I know. Kind of. I remember one time there was an old lady just in the neighborhood just said, do you want some ice cream? And I was like, I'm good. But my parents were like, go get ice cream with her. So she took me to her apartment, just like a walk away. And I was like vibrating with terror as to what would happen. What is in the ice cream? Exactly. I thought, is it going to, is it going to like kill me or make me old and then I'll be stuck here forever. And like, she gave me some ice cream. It was chocolate. It was great. We came back. I was fine. Of course. Of course. And it's because but, you, you didn't find anyone to whisper to you, like, get out as soon as you can. Yeah. <laughs> They'll make was... you all, I'm actually 22. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was this close to graduating from college, but I've been stuck here. Is my professor still there? Then the professor's dead, long dead, lost tenure. <laughs> <laughs> the college you were at was Harvard in 1632. It's gone now. It's a different Harvard, man. <laughs> You wouldn't get in nowadays. Back when it was Harvard College and there was like two <laughs> Ivy Leagues. There were two schools. You could go to Harvard or Seton Hall. That's it. No <laughs> Jewish schools, no Mormon schools, nothing. No, no historically black universities, two schools. No. That DeVry, or you were a farmer. <laughs> DeVry, DeVry. Was what, DeVry was but a twinkle in the eye of someone born 200 years from now. <laughs> DeVry uh, was but a twinkle in the eye of some film director who needed a place to <laughs> to live <laughs> yeah yeah oh my God. wait so wait I want to ask like you like when your grandfather died like what were the emotions like you said there was like relief but like what was it like in the weeks after that like how did it change or what happened with you Sure. Uh, I mean, for any listeners who don't know, I do a joke about my grandpa, how he like had a dementia episode and grabbed my boob when I was younger. And I consider that kind of a sexual assault just because it was a, uh, a, a very big breach of trust between he and I. He like was like my hero. I, I idolized him growing up. And then this happened and it, it was just very like weird and scary. And I felt like 
you know, I've had other like close call sexual assault experiences that haven't just felt like nearly that have been like more graphic, quote unquote, but haven't felt nearly as uh, boundary breaking as that. Um, And I told my parents about it right after it happened. And then I promptly forgot about it for like three years because that's what your brain does. It's super weird. Uh, And then I remembered the memory resurfaced again when um, I was at summer camp and this boy like gave me a hug and I didn't like him. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. And then I found a girl on the path at summer camp who I didn't know that well. (laughs) She was like not a close friend. And I went and I cried to her and I told her this and she was like, "Uh, oh, (laughs) I'm so sorry. You know, oh it just, God. you know, yeah. she was as nice as she could be, but we didn't know each other that well. She was yeah. like, you know, there's therapists for this. I was like, yes, I understand. <laughs> um, but in the time I forgot about it, my parents hadn't forgot about it and they cut him off. They basically like cut off contact with that side of the family a little bit. And then towards the end of his life, my dad put him up in like a, a retirement home in Arizona because, um, they really came to believe that he kind of had like a dementia episode. It was right after my grandma passed away. Um, You know, they had been married for years and years. It was an absolutely devastating loss for him. And when he was in Arizona, his condition was worsening too. I think he had some kind of cancer as well because he smoked for like a bajillion years. But um, I spoke to him on the phone and I remember like the last time I spoke to him and I was just like, I am it was so petty I was like I'm gonna keep my composure because I'm gonna win I'm gonna win so I like Mm. I like you know I'm sobbing I'm crying I'm like feeling this weird cocktail of emotions I was alone at my parents house so I had like stolen their chocolate liqueur I was like they're not here I'm just gonna drink chocolate liqueur so I was like a little drunk and then I pick up the phone and I'm like, put on my biggest smile. I'm like, how about them Yankees? I'm like, just misses positivity. Just because I'm trying to show this man, like, in death, I am not affected by what you did to mm. me. Um, I also remember he wrote me a card towards the end that was like, uh, it was the last thing he hand, it was, it was one, probably one of the last things he hand wrote because he couldn't really write towards the end of his life so nurses would like write for him but I could tell it was his handwriting because it sucked and was shaky and he wrote me this note that was like I never meant to hurt you I'm so sorry for what happened like and you know I I think I've forgiven him now but in the aftermath of his death I, I definitely didn't forgive him and I was just a little relieved to like think that he wasn't there anymore for me to have to like speak to on the phone Mm. um but now i almost wish i could speak to him again because as terrible as 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 everything was i we did have a really close relationship when i was younger and i do believe in rehabilitative justice i believe in people learning from mistakes i i posted something like this on instagram today but you know, I don't think humans were made to like make no mistakes in their life. And yeah. sometimes social media makes it seem that way. Like now it's like, you might as well just invite Louis CK on the podcast now. Just <laughs> well, <laughs> I also used to love Louis CK crazily yeah. enough. And I, you know what? I, I don't, I mean, I don't forgive him, but no, yeah. You know, it's like, I believe that there are men who can learn from what they've done to others and i was the subject of that so i should be the maddest about it of all and yet i'm actually not mad at him anymore i think that he was totally fucked up in the head i think i just happened to be there and um i i I think it's uh keeping me sane to forgive him Mm. you can't forgiveness is really for yourself you can't run around with all this i'm sure you're feeling that with your dad well that's that's a big i've been trying to well when i when I spoke to him and when I was there, I, I just said, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm unloading this all. Please don't. You, I don't want you to have any baggage. Just go in peace. And I, and I did mean it. But, and, and I remember for the past four years when I've been having like issues with him, I've been told left, right, and center by people saying, you need to forgive, not because they deserve it, but because you deserve peace. That's what, that's what you yes. deserve. And that is true. 
but it doesn't make it easier, especially when one of our last conversations was me asking for a very simple apology for a very simple action that I know I would have deserved and he couldn't give it to me. Yeah. And just knowing that that was even at, even at the end, that that's what his choice to, that's what his choice was. And it just, it's something that sort of, the only way I can describe it is it stinks in my heart. It's a memory. It's a knowledge that stinks in my heart. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be the episode title when something stinks in your heart. Yeah. Um, what would you say you wish now having been through this experience that more people knew about grief? Like, what would you say to like a listener of ours who like has a friend who lost a loved one and doesn't know what to do because it's like new to them to be helping someone who's just had a loss? Like, is there, is there something you'd say to someone who's just trying to help, but doesn't know how? Oh, well, I'll say one thing that I found really frustrating. I found it so frustrating to be told you're handling this so well. I just want you, I hated that. Mm. I hated being told that I was handling it well because I thought, no, 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 I'm not handling this well. I'm just good at repressing how I express it. I'm just really good at appearing. It's like we said at the beginning of the pod, 10 out of 10 grief response. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like the best way I could describe it is like, imagine you're on the subway and you're stuck between stations and you're in a tunnel. And after like 20 minutes of nothing, the driver says, hey, we have issues with like the signals up ahead. We're fixing them as soon as possible and we'll be on our way. Thank you for your patience. I hate being thanked for my patience if there's a delay or something. I hate that because I thought I'm like, you don't know if I'm patient or not. Stop. I don't want you to feel good thinking, oh, everyone's being patient right now. We can feel okay. No, I'm angry. I want you to, I want you to witness Move me. Move the train. It's like, thank you for your patience. I don't have a choice. I don't have yeah, a exactly. What am I going to do? Trapped. Come into the booth and like fucking pull the lever myself? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm also not like about to start going on like a, a killings or just something or something like wild and angry or anything of course i'm not going to do that so if it, i feel like if the bar is so low for you to be doing well and like i just i hated being told something that didn't match how i felt inside yeah and and that's actually weirdly that's one of the most transparent conversations that we had growing up i mean that my dad had that my dad and i had about what it was like for me growing up was like periods like that where we would um where I was visiting my grandmother in Florida and I was like afraid of like other old people mm-hmm. or if I was visiting my family in the UK I was very afraid of coming across as rude or ungrateful mm-hmm. and that I would rather be thought of as polite rather than let people know how anxious I was or scared or whatever and my dad told me we were just in the car I think it was like a year ago maybe then my dad said he just looked at me sort of bewildered and just amazed because he said, I had no idea that was going on inside you. Mm. He just said, I had no idea you were experiencing all of that and that it was affecting you all that, that deeply. And it's a little bit scary to know that you're that good at hiding something from a parent. Cause yeah. like, I think like, you as like a teenager you don't want them to like see through you like you want to be able to sort of like have your own life you want to not be totally transparent but it is a little bit worrying knowing that you could have kept so much and been so under the radar that shit could have been affected you affecting you really badly but that it wasn't visible yeah and it's it's yeah i think that's why it is important to check on people because you don't know it's like when I was a camp counselor, it was the strangest thing. Like the kids who were the most vocal about how badly they were doing, those were the people I was always like, you know what? They're probably doing okay because they're telling me. Yeah. Like, it was the people who I was worried about who were the quietest and most composed because I do think there is a survival mechanism that a lot of us learn, especially performers, that it's like- Oh, Yeah. You know, we learn early on, like, you can't just run around crying all the time. I learned that in high school. I was, I learned slowly, like, you can't just learn, you can't just be crying in front of people all the time. Like, you have to look a little bit composed. And the more composed you look, the more you're going to seem like you're handling stuff better than you actually are. Yeah. 
So it can be a, it can be a defense mechanism, but I would say, I would say like, um, have you felt like, uh, I, I feel like when, when Sylvie's mom passed, it was just like, it was, there's no wrong thing to say to a person who, um, who's just had a grief, like a, a you know, loss. Yeah. If it's, if it's out of love. Um, yeah. The, I think the wrong, the only true wrong thing to say is nothing. Cause I think mm. you, it, you notice it if it's a close friend of yours and they haven't said anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. But I remember, so like I went upstate Wednesday evening and then Friday, I actually, um, Thursday evening, I actually bought a ticket for the bus to go back home on Friday and I was sort of on the fence about it, but I just, I, but I bought it anyway. And I eventually I didn't, I didn't go on the bus. Right. Eventually I didn't, I stayed and I stayed one more day, but that morning I remember I was on the phone with my mom. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go home today. I'm just, I'm, I was just so exhausted at that point just right. from one day at the hospital, just one full day at the hospital. It was just so much. And I, what I wanted to hear was my mom saying, do whatever you need to. You, you went up, you took advantage of the time. It's, it was very exhausting. Just do whatever you need to. But instead she just said, why? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because immediately I was just washed with guilt yeah. and shame. And I was just like, fuck. And I was so frustrated, but I, I, t- I took a walk with a family friend who I was staying with. And we just talked about stuff and and eventually i decided on my own very and very full body i thought i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay as long as it takes um but uh and i'm so glad i did and it was for the right reasons but i'll never forget just feeling really ashamed Mm -hmm. because i wasn't fulfilling if i felt like i wasn't fulfilling someone else's standard of what a good son should do at this time yeah, and that's the hard thing to realize is there is no shoulds about anything. I mean, it's I yeah. think it's good that you stayed. Um, oh yeah, and I did too. And it was the right decision, no regrets. But I remember wishing that I was instead met with do whatever you need to do. Just just take care of you. Um and I and I didn't hear that and that really just it just it irked me. Yeah. Um how like how have family friends like were there ways where they've like been entertaining themselves during this? Like, um, I know that like some people after losses, they get into like just crazy mindless TV or like puzzles and stuff like that. Like, have you taken up any like weird hobbies as a result of this? I got in a sourdough. Um, <laughs> I made it a starter. I've made- <laughs> This is the mother. I can I can send some to you. Um, not really. I I was watching like a a good little bit of um. Well, Star Wars: The Bad Batch dropped on Disney Plus. It's the spinoff of like the Clone Wars, and I was watching that. Which the I was spinoff always... of the Good Batch. <laughs> I don't know anything yeah. about Star Wars. Can you it's tell? Okay. It's okay. They're they're a bad batch of clones that are mutated. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Um, Star Wars fans know what I'm talking about. I see you guys. Um, but yeah, no, I I definitely nothing new. I was I always had like a fairly good like collection of either like comedy podcasts or like old cartoons or something that I every now and again that I'll like dip back into. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely had that. Um, but like I was hanging out with my girlfriend yesterday and I showed her, I don't think she's ever seen whose lines in anyway. And so I showed oh. her a, a compilation of like scenes from a hat and those are really good. Those are those so are good. Yeah. So good. Whew. Very soothing. And that's, that's amazing. I wish I could see that for the first time. Oh yeah. 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 And that's- uh yeah. So little things like that have been really, really good. Um, But also um. Tuesday, I went to an open mic just to watch, just to watch. And it was so wonderful just to watch, just watch comedians and laugh. And it was, it was just a very healing experience. It was really good. Um, and I saw my friend DeBancor, who's uh, and a great comedian, and he gave me a hug. And uh, 
he asked me how I was doing. And I said, well, another thing is that I had um, a therapy session Mm. uh, on that day, that Tuesday. And I caught my therapist up to speed and she cried, which I had never seen her do. Wow. Yeah. And she, she was really wonderful. And, but she also just, just basically like, I don't really have any words to offer anything to help process this. I'm just so sorry that you're going through this. And she was just, she was there with me and she was wonderful. But, um, I was talking about this to Debancourt and I said, oh yeah, I was like, I made my therapist cry in our session today. (laughs) And he said, did you cry with her? And I was like, no. (laughs) Yes, get her ass. (laughs) Make her cry and just watch. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, I didn't, yeah, I just, I didn't have any, I didn't have any more tears. You didn't have any tears left, yeah. Yeah, because I'm a badass. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that, um, so yeah, that happened. And then I did material about it at an open mic the following day, um, at two open mics, actually back to back. And then I, um, excuse me. And then I did, um, I did that material again on Friday, um, at our good, at our good friends, Lee and Maxim who have been on the pod and their open mic. And, uh, it went pretty well, actually. It went really better than I was expecting, um, but yeah. And, uh, so that's, I, and I got back into, I was surprised at how quickly I went back into stand up, but it helped me process stuff and just sort of vocalize stuff a bit better. I was going to say, I wonder how it felt for you, like going up at, cause I've seen you've gone up at a couple mics and shows and like, I was worried that I was going to bum people out. That's what I was really yeah. worried about. And, um, no, there is a, a comedian who uh his name is Alex and uh uh I don't want to like say his full name yeah but he he does a lot of very self-deprecating material to the point where it kind of makes you go woof that's a lot yeah. um oh I know comics like that I'm yeah. like are you okay do you need therapy yeah. instead it's yeah okay. and so but at this first open mic I did on Wednesday uh this past week um I thought of a, I thought of a good opening joke to use at that moment. And I asked his blessing beforehand and he said, absolutely go for it. It's funny. And I said, uh, my dad died on Saturday, which means that this set is going to be sadder. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. I said, uh, my dad died on Saturday, which means that this set is going to be almost as sad as Alex's regular material. And like it got a really good sustained laugh. Huge, huge. Yeah. Oh my God. Every time. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was really pleased with that. And then I was able to get into my material and think like, okay, I'm on a good roll and Man, stuff. It takes but, those um, first five seconds. Isn't that terrible about comedy? If you don't win them over in like five seconds, you're just so fucked the rest of your set. Oh yeah. You need a good flash. Yeah. Um, have you ever, have you ever had like a rough set that you like, any like do you have like a good opener story that really just got people up to speed in a in a good state of mind or any yeah i used to i used to use uh if ghosts are real why do none of them want to finger me and that always gets a, <laughs> <laughs> that always gets a pretty big laugh uh i i've i've definitely had sets where i'm like i know i could crush and then i go up and i like try and riff on something stupid and no one likes it and I'm like well fuck now i'm not gonna get any laughs yeah um most re- recently i went up at a um drew and peter mike shout out to drew and peter in the um oh i haven't i want to go to one of theirs i haven't been since the pandemic i really want to go to one of theirs. i hadn't been since the pandemic either and it was weird because i i haven't you listeners have like probably noticed I haven't been up that much in person uh during the pandemic and uh why do you hate comedy (laughs) I you know what I'm not grinding it out (laughs) I'm not hustling um yeah my my Netflix special is is not deserved but I uh I I couldn't get the mic cover on the stupid you know the little fucking mic cover that looks like a lunch lady's hat like yeah 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 I was struggling it looks like that yeah yes it looks like shower I was struggling for like fully you know a minute of my five minute set to get it on I kept trying to riff on other people's jokes while I was doing it and then I could clearly tell Drew the host was like don't do that so close to the mic because the mic cover wasn't on yet um and that definitely like brutalized a lot of my set. Ooh. At one point, all I at one point all I had to say was I miss bombing, and everyone laughed. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. 
I did. I did. I did miss bombing. I miss it all. I miss like, you know, it's like when a baseball player misses like a rainy April day. It's like something that would suck for somebody else. For you as a comic, it's like you love it. You you miss it. Yeah. There's that that actually reminded me. I was at a Drew and Peter mic, and um, uh, for those who don't know, they they host a, a mic together, and they're a couple. And right, and so Drew was going up between like the comedian before me and me, but Peter, it was Drew's birthday or their anniversary, something they were celebrating, and Peter brought up a bouquet of flowers to give to Drew right on stage right before me and i was like and i went up on stage and i was like what the fuck peter like (laughs) i can't follow that i can't follow the sweetest thing i've ever seen it was like that's very hard to follow i once watched i was at a producer's club mic which is an open mic in the um like near Times square for those who don't know and the bartender goes up and I thought he was like going to do a set. And I was like really confused. I was like, okay, I guess anyone can do anything here. And he goes, it's this girl's birthday and just points to a random girl. And it's like, so because of that, I'm buying you all drinks. And everyone went, yay. <laughs> and then the next girl went up and was like, well, how do you fucking top that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just bought you all your drink minimum. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> that never happened. If I were in her position, I would almost say, I wish I had a dead relative to talk about just to bring you back down really forcefully, you know? God damn it. Where's the sexual assault right now? I just want to tank this. I just want to throw this set into the fucking floor with sadness. Uh, (laughs) I, I do think like writing comedy is so much of how I process the world. And I know you feel that way too, that like some people would call it dark material, but I feel like for you... And for me a little as well, it's almost impossible not to write about it. Oh yeah. And I, one of the first things I wrote was that, um, uh, that my, that my dad just died. People have asked me, you know, how he died. And I have to tell them that it's not COVID it's cancer. Uh, but the thing is he was an anti-vaxxer and as someone who didn't want to get the COVID vaccine, he took the only surefire way to make sure you never get COVID. Um, (laughs) And the credit where it's due, you got to respect the hustle. Just <laughs> That's like Aaron's dead mom joke, though. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, my parents hated each other. And my mom says that, uh, you know, she'll never leave me and my sister alone in a single parent household. She would rather die. And being the overachiever that she was, <laughs> <laughs> she did it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, shout out to Aaron oh. Avalot Clemens. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I, I just, I think I'm glad that you're, I'm not going to say handling it well, because obviously you're not. Um, what if I just start crying right now? (laughs) If you just started fucking saw, yeah, Yeah. no, let it happen. Anything, anything goes on your cats, but I just, I, I love that you have support in your life, you know? Oh, I do. Yeah. Um, No, and I just, I just, um, and for those who don't know, I actually just had brunch with like very close friends of mine. Uh, like I'm an only child, but like the closest thing I have to a sister, I had brunch with like her and her mom and we had a really nice time. Um, and I have a very good network of people that are taking very good care of me. Which leads nicely to a surprise segment I have for you, Lucas. I don't know if oh you my. knew this was happening. What do you mean? I, I don't I, know if you knew. It was a surprise. So you didn't know. Yeah, no, I'm not a psychic. <laughs> Not yet. (laughs) Listeners, we usually do self-perception corner, but because Lucas has had such a hard week, I am making things a little different. And I got a couple of people to write in for Lucas perception corner. All right. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to read these aloud to you. Oh, Someone wrote, and I'm sure you'll be able to figure out who some of these people are, but maybe not. Lucas is quite literally one of the kindest human beings I have ever met in my entire life. You meet nice people and they're fine, but it's very rare to meet a truly kind person. And Lucas is one of those people. He's also a spectacular comedian who has put in so much hard work and it's amazing to watch it all pay off for him. He deserves the world and I can't wait to see how far he goes. Oh my God. That's so sweet. Oh, wait. Who was that? That was Chris Sure. <gasps> oh my God. Oh, I think I'm seeing Chris later today. I need to give her a big hug. That was, oh, oh my God. All right. We got one, an, another one, an anonymous oh submission. Okay. You might be able to figure it out. What okay. can be said? 
about Lucas. <laughs> you know Lucas, the dude with the voice. Lucas with the <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> the one with the voice. Yeah, we're really narrowing it down. Yeah, yeah the one with the voice. Yeah. Well, ears too. <laughs> and a nose, only one for now. Dare I say he takes in oxygen and respirates carbon dioxide out. <laughs> He's like a tree. Well, Lucas is in a bit of a pickle. The Lucas you see on your screen is just 10% of the Lucas you know in real life. And 99% of people only know the 10% of Lucas. Lucas is an intensely loyal friend who loves a good laugh and a nice meal. Lucas is the kind of friend that always knows how to comfort someone and make them feel safe. Lucas asks the right questions and gives honest answers. Lucas is full of fun facts and niche knowledge. No matter if you're discussing history, politics, or science, He's always sure to add a little bit of spice to the discussion. One time, Lucas made me the best alcoholic hot chocolate I will ever have in my life. I will never forget that hot chocolate. Also, he has a very normal belly button, and he's easy to pick up. Was that Lee? It was Lee and Maxim, yeah. Yeah, Lee and Okay. No, yeah, we. I was at their place uh, last week, and for some reason, we all started comparing belly buttons. Apparently, I had the smallest belly button of anyone. Oh, you Everyone know else how they... I feel about belly buttons. Yeah. <laughs> do you like them big or do you like them little? Also, innies or outies. Like, what's your ideal belly belly? I button? wish they weren't. I wish they didn't exist. Okay. I wish they weren't there. Not to Would be you like... like to see mine. Yes, I want to see okay. it. I'll Let me see you. if it's normal. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I would say that's normal. Ah, you're going to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sylvie now thinks there's something wrong because I screamed. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it was just that Lucas showed his belly button. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, we got two more of these. Oh my God. Lucas is one of those rare people that is uncommonly talented and successful while also being uncommonly kind and considerate. Not only is he hilariously funny, but he is a good person down to his core. He's a good time gal that anyone can feel safe around. And I challenge anyone to name a more lovable person. He's truly one of a kind. And I also want to emphasize that he is fun. So that's from Aaron, and I was texting him about it. Oh. I was like, I don't know if that's enough. Like, I also want to emphasize that he's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless Aaron. Oh. Bless, bless his sweet. sweet little heart. All right, we got one more because I didn't okay. want to overwhelm you. Okay. Someone anonymous said, I don't think I've had this many close friends tell me how noticeably happy they've seen me be since meeting Lucas. Having him in my life is so beyond the feeling of correct and right. He is the kindest, most sincere person I know, and someone I find more things to love about every single day. I feel so thoroughly lucky to have met him and that someone as sweet and special as him exists in the first place. He's the best, even if his anime knowledge is currently limited and he doesn't believe all hot girls have IBS. Oh my God. (laughs) That's my girlfriend for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and after she wrote that, I told her it was beautiful and that I agree, all hot girls do have IBS. The pipeline is very, very well documented, and we need this a documentary is, right now. This is insane. This is. <laughs> she said that. I was like, excuse you? I was like, that's not a thing that all hot girls just have like digestive issues of some sort. She's like, no, that is exactly true. And then she like, she Snapchatted her friend. Um, Emily, who was, and she was like, Emily, all hot girls have like IBS or digestive issues of some, of some sort. Right. And she was like, absolutely. I was like, what the fuck? I was, I started getting like, really just like, just like what? Like it was when she, it was exactly the same response when she told me that all people in the LGBTQ plus community uh, only have iced coffee and never hot coffee. I was like, what? Well, that to me, that is not true. That's the media gays who have iced coffee. Oh, you know, the well, fast I just walkers. <laughs> you did? Yeah, no, I won't. We'll bleep this part out. <laughs> no, we you won't. This, no, will, this, is, no, this is, I'm going to cut everything else out of the podcast. It's only going to be that. You just speed it up to like a crazy yeah. degree where no just one can hear anything. And then just coffee. I win. That's it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's what people talk about when they're like gays walk so fast or whatever. They're like, 
you know, always, I, I do have a couple friends like that who like, I'll be on a walk with them and I will be out of breath and they're walking normal. <laughs> so is it possible they're just taller than you? <laughs> I do have short legs. So that could very well be the case. <laughs> One other thing that my girlfriend told me is that she was like, oh yeah, gays can't sit normally. They have to like, they have to sit cross-legged on the chair. They can't just sit with their feet planted on the floor on a chair. That's true. That's true. Have you ever, have you ever been to a mic and seen me sit in a chair? Not a... I was not paying attention to that. Bit. Well, I was next time. Look, call me crazy, but I was listening to the things you had to say. I'm sorry. I was no, an that's wrong. Listener. That's yeah. homophobic. <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> but yeah, she was telling me these things and I, I was like, this can't be true. They must be able to sit in chairs. It's, I was like, what happened? Well, they're able, we're able to sit. I'm sitting in a chair right now. Doesn't mean it's my preferred. We're like cats. I love the floor. I love sitting on a bench weird. Like, oh, gotta get a footstool somewhere. But yeah, no, she's totally right. She's right about everything. She's great. Except the coffee thing. You're right about that. I'll give you that. You're right about that. Because this is hot coffee right now. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for opening up to our listeners about um, everything you've been through. And like, I think it's important like for us to air this because oh yeah, there's probably a lot of people going through similar shit. The reason why I made that video on TikTok just explaining what's happened to me and and it's literally, it is because I thought, okay, like I'm very sort of a little bit bashful by talking about like the following that I built, but I thought, okay, there are 1.8 million people that follow me on this app and I thought there's a good chance that at least some of these people have been dealing or have dealt with a death that might have been messy and I thought this genuinely this might help someone and I thought that if if only one person is helped it is worth it so I just thought make the video it's for a good reason and did you get any responses I I got a bunch I got a bunch of dms from like hey this is what I really needed to hear I've also had difficult, I, I even had someone say that, uh, that their child died and that they reached out to me and say that that oh. helped them through it. And I was like, I'm sorry, but that is worse that I, I, I am so sorry that you went through that. Cause I'm not to compare. There's no such thing as comparing trauma, but that is worse than losing a parent. I think we can all agree. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I am so sorry that you have gone through that. They were like, no, it's fine. Thank you. And, but, and, but yeah, there are a lot of people that reached out to say thank you I'm sorry that you're going through this but it was those are words that I needed to hear and I was like good that's exactly what I need that's what I wanted to have happen and so no regrets about that absolutely yeah Yeah. and you you speak about it very eloquently you know thank you thank you so much okay of course all right what should how should we how should we end this um, let's do like the most ill-fitting listener submission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just do like such stupid listener submission. Not yeah. that any of you are stupid. You're all great, but. You're all gold stars with mother's love and, and you're all doing amazing, sweeties. Um, um, okay. Here's one for, here's one for you. I'm going to type it to you in the chat because. Lovely. It requires you to rap. Okay. Oh my God. (laughs) What the fuck? See, I I would do this like Nicki Minaj if I may jump in. Somebody just writes rap this and a bunch of lyrics. So I would go. Oh my God. Okay, let's do it. Face up. Dick in the air. I said, what's up? Pulsating. Big dick. Undulating thing. I said, take it quick. Gandalf. Gandalf. Eat eat (laughs) dick. Coming on his beard. Make his beard drip. Shave it off eat hair there's no other feeling that can't compare you, you whore. whore you're welcome <laughs> what the fuck that was i needed that that was good wow that was really good that is incredible wow. let's see what other ridiculous yeah ones. <laughs> let's uh let's have one more and then yeah um somebody said poop the button i don't know what they're is that like a gen z thing is that is that a euphemism? What are you kids up to? You're eating the Tide Pods. You're pooping out buttons. You're you you, buttons. you you guys are all the reasons IBS issues are a thing. It's nothing to do with the LGBTQ plus community. It's just that so many of you you're mixing your stuff now. It's yeah. it's hot girls like the well they don't like to have digestive issues but they have them and then the LGBTs 
oh my god my boomer came out the lgbt's <laughs> the lgbt's sit weird um so what do you think of this person who said i won't eat a sandwich because i think they're disgusting that's fine yeah that's fine that's just you having a preference about a food that is fine I would like be curious that, to know why they think they're I would disgusting. want to know if it's certain kinds of sandwiches or if it may be specific ingredients or it's just like anything contained between two pieces of bread makes me sick. Or if it's just like, I don't know, there's like also you can replace the, the bread with like meat or lettuce. You can do that. A um, meat sandwich. Yeah, that sounds a I have lot seen those, less disgusting. Have <laughs> you seen like, our, I don't know if it's like Popeyes or something, but it was like two breaded chicken cutlets used as like the bread in a sandwich. It no. looked horrendous. <laughs> it looked terrible. Really but at Popeyes, I kind of get it because the chicken is the showstopper, not the bread. Exactly, Unless yeah. you're talking about the biscuits, in which case, woo, I mm. will eat my words and I will eat some biscuits. <laughs> yeah um i say let's end it there on a high note of sandwiches um so yeah uh listeners we will get back to you next week back on form uh but seriously we love you all so much and we thank you for hanging there with us with a a little hiatus uh gabby anything to add yeah just thank you for being the best um and we're gonna start doing more fun stuff and um you know, I think that it's going to be a good summer and keep mm-hmm. checking hot out. Hot girl summer. It's it's hot IBS girl summer. Hot IBS girl summer. Yes. And with that, we bid you all adieu. See you next week. <laughs>